0: To become part of your food revolution. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions. Better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.com. for more information. That's seeds to 33444 or visit seedsavinghacked.org. Today on our podcast, we have someone who's creating healthy, nutritious snacks while changing people's lives. We're talking with Tanya Bachi about her balanced life plan for health and wellness. Tanya is a dietitian certified in adult weight management with over 25 years' experience in helping patients and clients stay healthy. She has traveled most of the country as a corporate dietitian, overseeing senior living and wellness programs in healthcare. She started baking as a little girl in Ohio, where she used to surprise her dad with treats after he came home from work. She decided to follow her passion by combining her love of baking and her knowledge of healthy, nutritious foods and started her own company. She created Hunger Bomb Cookies, healthy treats that are delicious and filling while satisfying your sweet tooth without spiking your blood sugar. In addition to baking and selling her treats at farmers markets and online, Tanya also provides nutrition consultation to clients who want to live delicious and healthy lives. Welcome to the show today, Tanya. Are you ready to rock Hunger Bomb Cookies? <laughs>
1: I'm ready.
0: Cool. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: Absolutely. Looking back, I think it's interesting how it seems like the perfect combination for me. My I was interested in baking as a little girl, like you mentioned. My dad had a huge sweet tooth, and I got such pleasure out of seeing what I could create and please him and would hide things in the dishwasher and all over the kitchen so that he didn't realize I had baked something for the day. Nice. And then he'd still eat his dinner. You know, it was, it was our little trick between my mom and I. And then my nutrition knowledge and education. So it just seems like, you know, the 25 years of both of those together, it it came together in a perfect way of seeing how I could create something that tasted wonderful and was really good for you and could help you, help you lead a healthy and balanced life.
0: So why is this important?
1: It was important to me, I guess, on a, a personal and a professional level. As I spent time overseeing retired communities and senior living, I kept seeing, as a country, the increase in obesity, the increase in diabetes, all the health issues that could be very connected to food and the way we eat and the choices we make. And personally, I love cookies. I think that, you know, there's nothing better than a fabulous oatmeal chocolate chip cookie with some walnuts in it. Yes. And yeah. And in my travels, I got to stay at that hotel that when I would check in would give me that gigundous cookie. Mm -hmm. And, thought that I could say, no thanks, I don't want it, thought that I could say, okay, I'll eat this in place of dinner, thought that I could say, maybe I can just ha- eat half of it. So, you know, inevitably I'd eat the whole cookie, Right. eat dinner, possibly negotiate for another one the next day, mm-hmm. but you know, they're great, they taste wonderful. And so that was my motivation for, you know, Tanya, as much as you know about baking, and as much as you know about health, there isn't any reason why you can't come up with something that tastes just as good, but is really good for you. So that was why it became important to me.
0: Perfect. And why is it important from a health perspective?
1: Well, you know, I think that all I continue to attend trainings and learn more. And boy, that influx of, in, of information to us about sugar and its negative health effects is just getting more prominent, more studies showing us that, you know, it's not the best decision we can make in our life and restricting the amount of sugars that we have is is really important. So from a health standpoint, you know, not having foods that stimulate that part of the brain that want us to eat more sugar, I think it's just uh, an important part of living a healthy life and making good food decisions.
0: Well, and sugar spikes our insulin. There's a whole process. I read an article on this recently. There's a whole process when you drink a soda or you eat an amount of sugar that happens. What what goes on in your body when that happens?
1: You're exactly right. It stimulates a part of the brain that we like, right? It mm-hmm. makes us feel good. It stimulates our pancreas to secrete insulin and that helps lower that blood sugar that we have. And then it doesn't take very long. And if you've if you've lived, you know, where you've eaten more sugar than you thought you should, it doesn't take very long before you want some more of it. You know, people equate it to certain drug addictions and things. And I you know, I don't go that far, but I do see where if we have a diet that has a lot of sugar in it and sugar that's really refined and processed that, gosh, it seems habit-forming. It seems like we crave it. It seems like we want to eat it on a regular basis. Yeah, we do. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's it's one of those things. And one of the ways that I manage those, I was going to say cravings, but it's really not a craving because this is a, a decision that I make at the grocery store, is that I don't buy that stuff. You know, I don't bring it home. I don't put it in the refrigerator. I've, I haven't i have had soda pop in the refrigerator I don't know that I ever have as an adult, because uh, I knew that it w- if it was there, then I'd get to the refrigerator and open the refrigerator and that Coke, I love Coke, which I don't drink at all anymore, but it's screaming at me saying, drink me, drink me. So a big part of the way I manage it is I don't put it there in the first place.
1: And, and you're smart. And I think that you've realized that that's really what helps you be successful because keeping your house you know, clean and devoid of things that are tempting to you is really half the success. The other part is managing when you go out to eat or you're with friends that have bad eating habits. And, you know, I think back to when I met my husband, which was over 20 years ago now, and he said to me, we can't keep ice cream in the freezer. And I'm thinking, well, why not? Well, because the gallon would be gone in like a couple days. And I'm like, where did it go? And he had that same... He said the exact same thing you just said. It's in there. It's calling my name. Come get me. Come eat me, whatever it's saying to him. So we just had to decide that if ice cream was going to be a treat for him, Uh that we would go out on Sunday evenings, we would manage the portion, we would thoroughly enjoy it, Mm -hmm. and that would be how we did it. But it's not in the house. Yeah,
0: Yeah. or buy a pint of Ben and Jerry's. That's what I, mm-hmm. if, if I really want ice cream, that's what I do. I just buy a pint, the small one of Ben and Jerry's and I like Cherry Garcia. Yep. You know, it's, it's there, it screams at me and I do my best to manage it, but it'll be gone in a couple of days.
1: And that's smart because you limit your portion size. You don't have excessive amounts of it. You know, you're not, it's not tempting you.
0: It's yeah. not there to call your
1: name and, and overeat with it. So right. good. You're not denying and saying, I'm never going to eat Ben and Jerry's ice cream because you know, I don't think that works well for many people.
0: Right. Denying yourself. Exactly. So that's one big tip. Don't put your favorite treats in abundance in your refrigerator. Do you have any other tips on managing, especially when we're out in public, managing this?
1: Well, I think being prepared. And, you know, I'll say to my customers when they try my product, they'll say, oh, I'll eat the whole bag. These are too good. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that honeymoon phase when you have a a food that you think is just so wonderful that you're going to sit down and eat a whole bag or a whole sleeve of Pringles or whatever it is, a whole box of Girl Scout cookies. But eventually, I think that you get past that and then you get to where you manage the quantity. But I think, you know, in preparing and knowing, like, you're know, you going to go out to dinner and let's say your friends picked a Mexican restaurant and you think, oh, that's always a challenge. They bring those chips, they have margaritas, we overeat. You know, it's just a constant... Thing that you're trying to control, but you know, I it, it doesn't hurt to eat something ahead of time, you know, whether it's an apple or oh, a right. hunger bomb cookie, something that's going to take that edge off. It's like not going to the grocery store really hungry. Don't go out there starving because you will consume all the calories you need before your meal even gets there in a Mexican restaurant. It's easy to do, you know, it's just really thinking about the situation ahead of time. I have friends that look at the menu online and kind of make their decisions ahead of time so when they get there they don't have to look at the whole menu as an option they've already kind of gotten their mind made up and they know what what they're going to pick that's the best for their health
0: because really food directs our health through our entire life does it not
1: it does it's it's not something that we can go without or live without so it is something we have to figure out how to manage isn't it It's always there. It's interesting. I have a little subline at the bottom of my email that I've used for years, and it's improving health through better nutrition, one ingredient at a time. And me, that's exactly what it is. It's like, okay, I want something to drink. Am I going to get a Coke? Am I going to get an iced tea? Am I going to get some club soda with a splash of Coke in it Mm -hmm. so that I can get that little fizz and flavor I want? without all the sugar. So right. it is little single choices that add up to be a bigger success in the long run.
0: Yeah. I'm just realizing this now, but here's another tactic that I use. I'm a no-go for sweet drinks. I, you know, that, I have a rule in my life that I, I just don't drink sweet drinks anymore.
1: No, you're right. You've created rules and guidelines that work for you.
0: And it took me a few years to get there. I used to drink sodas three or four times a week. This is probably 10 years ago, Uh, maybe five years ago, I decided, okay, one a month. So I gave myself permission to have one Coke a month. Then that was easy. That, you know, after a little while that became easy. And then I gave myself permission to drink the Coke that they make with real sugar in it, just like two times a year. And so I kind of weaned myself off very slowly over the course of like five years and so now I just, one of the ways I manage is is just no, no sodas, because I know how big of a difference they can make in our lives. In fact, I've heard that most of the sugar that we consume is in sweet drinks.
1: I think that's a big contributor. I mean, I don't, I don't know particularly if that's the biggest contributor, but I certainly, when I meet with clients that are concerned about their weight or their blood sugars or managing diabetes, One of the things I do start with is asking them, let's look at what you're drinking in your life. And it can be soda, Mm -hmm. sweet tea, too much wine, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of calories that we can consume just in our beverages. And I don't know about you, I'd rather eat my calories. I get much more satisfaction out of biting into an apple than eating drinking four ounces of apple juice. So if that's where the decision lies, I'll always go for the whole foods.
0: Beautiful. Tell me about your health and nutrition philosophy.
1: Well, I like to call it the balanced plan. And it's interesting to me. One of the things that has been a recurring event in my life is the four-leaf clover. And in Ohio, where I grew up, randomly... Over the years, I have found hundreds of four-leaf clovers. Never really looked for them. They just pop out to me, and it's interesting. And then one day while I was meditating, and this is, this is a little out there, but one day when I was meditating, this balanced plan came to me. I look at the four-leaf clover as each leaf being a heart forming the clover, mm-hmm. and I have each leaf or each heart being a different color. The plan, P-L-A-N, represents this balanced plan for your life. So the P stands for your physical health, meaning keep your body healthy through exercise and being active. The L is more of a lifestyle part of this balanced wellness, sleep habits, making sure you're not smoking. You're not drinking excessively, all those things in our life that can hurt us from a health standpoint. The A is your attitude, maintaining a positive attitude, whatever you want to call it. I call it God-centered, just keeping positive and staying in that uh, frame of mind. And then the N for me is nutrition and Mm -hmm. making healthy food choices. So all these things working together, keeping our life balanced, and helping us to, you know, an overall optimal health and wellness. And that's kind of my philosophy.
0: Wow, that's brilliant. Good job.
1: As I came to Arizona, there aren't four-leaf clovers growing on the ground in Arizona. Right. So what's interesting to me is I have looked down on the ground when I was walking out of church and found a gold coin that had a four-leaf clover on it. I've wandered on my deck where... I don't know how it got there. It was almost like a four-leaf clover paper punch that was like on the ground. Who knows where that came from? Uh-huh. So it continues to come into my life in a way that supports my my vision, my journey.
0: And that kind of led you to start your own company, making Hunger Bomb Cookies. Tell me about the process of going from thinking up the idea to actually making it happen.
1: I pushed myself in my career and, you know, was traveling all over the country from Ohio, then moved to Arizona about six years ago now and was covering the entire West Coast and worked really hard to get really good at what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, one day, the universe put into my path the first bully I've ever experienced in my life. It was an interesting learning experience Mm. to have a boss that was a bully. And I had wanted to start my own company. And then I chickened out. Basically, I thought, oh, I can't do this now. We just moved here. We're trying to buy a house, build a house, whatever we're doing. It just didn't seem right in my life. So I talked myself back into working really hard to get this special job. And that was the lesson right there. So I worked at that job and stayed a year, got the house in place, and then realized that my calling all along was to start my own company and to develop the cookie, the business, the brand of Hunger Bomb Cookies. And that's that's really what motivated it to start and grow.
0: I've been self-employed for my entire life, and uh, you know I've had jobs along the way. But I tell you what, having control over my own destiny and being able to create my own future with my own company is is my only way. How have you found it?
1: I have worked so hard in my career for other people. And my husband says, now, Tanya, you work harder than I've ever seen anybody work. And I said, you never saw me work before. I was in a hotel room. I was on the road. But it feels so satisfying to work hard for yourself and to see the incremental growth that it it comes out to be. And, and that's what's kind of exciting to me and to see my customers, I love working in the farmer's market. I love that one-on-one talking to people and getting that feedback that just encourages and feeds my passion. And I love that.
0: It feels good, doesn't it?
1: It does feel good. Yeah. I'm tired, but it's great. It's no, a good tired. It's
0: a really good tired. So tell me about the cookies themselves. Uh, you're doing them low in sugar. You know How do they support our bodies?
1: Well, you know, I started with that oatmeal chocolate chip cookie with that walnut in there and I started with the ingredients that I know are healthy. Oats, chia, flax, oat bran. I decided to make my sweetener be unsweetened applesauce, a little organic agave, so very low glycemic sweeteners and they're very moist cookie. They are more muffin-like in texture. They you up lots of fiber, lots of protein, whole grains. I do now, I've grown and do gluten free and vegan options, which have been tremendously popular. And so, really, it's a delicious, healthy treat. I do protein bars, different things. I have about six or seven things every month
0: mm-hmm. that
1: I vary in flavor, seasonally, what's coming around. And then, my goal is to add a savory product next month in oh, time for. Nice the holidays and to do something more roasted garlic, Asiago cheese, rosemary, kind of a um, you know, that that type of product. So that's that's the direction I want to go.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you if they were all sweet cookies.
1: Not for long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And you, you mentioned gluten free and gluten free is a whole lot easier these days.
1: It is. And it took a while to perfect it because I think gluten free is very prevalent and common. What I have found is Healthy gluten free may not be as common. So I think that, you know, I draw a customer that may want to avoid gluten for health reasons, for they may not all have celiac disease, they may be intolerant, they might be, they just want to cut it out, they feel better without gluten in their diet. But then to add that whole grain and low sugar and give them good fibers and things like that, I think that that's becoming very, very popular, and people appreciate that.
0: Yeah, big time. So here's a question out of left field. How many of your ingredients are you sourcing locally, or are you?
1: I don't know how to answer that. I have found all of my vendors locally that I've looked around and searched and tried to find, you know, what I could find as far as the best product at the best price. Mm-hmm. So I purchased them all locally, other than I think my organic agave I get online, you know, through Amazon. But right. other than that, everything else is purchased locally. And then I have a great farmer at the market at Uptown. His name is Mr. Wong. And we frequently will trade back and forth because he's back Wonderful garlic, wonderful. He'll bring me a great pumpkin to try to put in my pumpkin cookies, and so we play back and forth. His zucchini for my zucchini bread, and so back and forth we've been playing. And and in return, he he charges me nothing, and he wants bags of cookies because right. he loves my cookies. It's
0: a great, yeah. it's a, it's a
1: great reciprocal relationship we have. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, he's awesome, and and that's what I was talking about because there's so there we have a burgeoning local food economy growing here where, uh, you know, farmers are growing grains and they're growing different things that, you know, that are uh, available to put in cookies and stuff. So, you know, it's really cool that that's happening. Mm -hmm. And also, as I mentioned, when we were offline about mesquite flour, you know, and mesquite flour is really sweet and it's amazingly abundant at the beginning of the summer. So as that time approaches, we'll have to talk about using mesquite flour in your hunger bomb cookies.
1: We will. I look forward to, you know, one of the things with baking is you have to be a little bit of a mad scientist because it takes a little more skill than it does when I just cook because there are exact ratios of certain things. But I'm curious to see. I remember the sweetness when I tasted it, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to see about its qualities in baked goods and what it will do Versus a regular flour, a coconut flour, an almond flour. So oh, that's, that's exciting to me to try something new.
0: Yeah. Well, and mesquite flour, actually, it's more like a, mes- a meal, mesquite meal, like cornmeal, than a flour. So you mm-hmm. use it as in when, when Heidi makes cookies, she uses like a half a cup, and it's really sweet. So we're almost using it like a sweetener. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, yeah, it is, it is, because uh, she also, um, I, we all grow apples here at the Urban Farm, and I make applesauce, so as a sweetener uh, and a replacement for oils, we use applesauce, and that adds some sugar, you know, some sweetness to it, and then we throw the, throw the mesquite flour on there, and it just makes them the bomb.
1: That's it. That's how. That's how I got the name. <laughs> when I first started sharing my cookies, I would take them to people, and there it was so funny. The first thing that they would say are "these are the bomb," and I w- and it was a repeated statement that uh-huh. people would say. And I thought, well, okay, that's just the popular word of the year right now. But then other people would say, "Well, you know, they're kind of shaped like a bomb. They're like mounded up and round." They kind of fill you up and explode your, your appetite like the bomb. So it became Hunger Bomb. People will give you what you need in the world, and that's, that's exactly how the name, the name came to be.
0: That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So you do private consulting as well. Could you tell us about that?
1: I do. I have clients that will get a hold of me that want my help as a dietitian, nutritionist to help them either lose weight help manage their diabetes or heart disease or food allergies or just really want to live the healthiest life that they can and they know that maybe they're not making great food choices. But, you know, we're not all educated in everything in the world. I mean, we we go to experts for financial planning. We go to doctors and medical doctors to help us manage certain health conditions and so for people to seek out a registered dietitian is really the way to go when you want help with um, your weight, your food. Even I help people with healthy cooking and, you know, they have favorite recipes and I'll redo those. My mom had a, they'll give me a recipe for my mom's double stuffed baked potato soup and I'll look at it and think, okay, let's make this taste wonderful and cut about three-quarters of the fat out of this recipe. So, you know, we don't want to deny. We want to give them something that they're happy with and they love and they can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. So I love doing private consulting. It's, it's very rewarding to see people. My best friend's in Little Rock, and she lost about 35 pounds, just making changes, incorporating my product, and just deciding that it was time to live a little healthier lifestyle.
0: Amen to that. So, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you about the uh, consulting, where do they catch you at?
1: Well, I have a new website starting, and it's hungerbombcookies.com. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. All the information there is there for you to contact me.
0: Perfect. And then
1: I have a farmer's market schedule that's on my website that people can come and do free samples and try my product and buy my product and... So that's that's probably the easiest way. And nice. then the email address is info at com, so they can email me and get a hold of me that way too.
0: Perfect. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it.
1: I think when I spoke of that position I had before, I don't like to say it was a failure, but I think it was certainly a life lesson of pushing myself in a direction that I wasn't really meant to go. So I think it's just really realizing that in your life, everything has a has a course and, you know, we've both worked for other people and you just decide one day it's it's not the path that you want to do any longer. And so I think that, you know, if I would think of a situation, that would be the situation that I didn't follow my heart, didn't follow what I feel my, my passion or my dream or my destiny was to do. And I forced myself into working for someone else again. And that was really the lesson. It was like, okay, I'll let you do this for a while, but it's not going to work out for
0: you. You know, I've done that over the years. I've, like I said, I've been self-employed for over 40 years and, you know, along the way, uh, you know, my business wasn't going as well as it could have, or I wanted it to go. So I had to go out and You know, early when I was young, I delivered pizzas, which didn't support me in the world. And then I did other things along the way. And I always kept returning to what does my my heart love? What do I love to do? So I hear you on that. What do you consider your biggest success?
1: Well, I could say that having built and designed two homes was a big success. But at this point, I would say starting my own business and... Watching it grow feels like my bi- biggest success right now. One of the things that we didn't talk about was while I was at a farmer's market, I had a gentleman come up one day and buy cookies, and you know, wasn't anything out of the unusual. I think it was a week later, he came back and he was started opening up a little bit, and he says, You know, I'm a baker. And I'm like, Well, that's interesting. Why would you be buying my cookies then? And he said, well, I buy them for my wife. She has certain health concerns and likes to avoid certain things. And so, you know, I buy the gluten-free for her. And I'm like, okay. So then he comes back like another week later, and we start having a conversation and a relationship. And this man owns a huge bakery in East Rochester, New York, called Leo's Bakery, and very traditional, very baklava brownies. I mean, the most beautiful bakery you've ever want to see. We started a conversation and he comes here part of the year because he lives there and he lives here. Wouldn't you know it, it wasn't a week later I had a gentleman call me and introduce himself on the phone as the corporate director for Cigna Health in charge of all of their food services and was out here traveling, visiting one of the Cigna offices and his director brought him to the farmer's market where he bought my cookies and fell in love with them and said, how big can you get? How quick? And we started talking and first I thought he was a crackpot. I thought he was a crazy man calling me, but um, he wanted to put my cookies in the corporate office at Cigna Health in Bloomfield, Connecticut. And I want to be open. I mean, you know, if I'm going to grow my business, I need to be open and then figure out how I'm going to do that. And I called that man that was the baker in New York, and he has trucks that go to Bloomfield, Connecticut on a weekly basis. And I ended up going up to Leo's Bakery and training his traditional bakers how to make my cookies. Uh, We package them. We send little frozen pucks up to Connecticut. And I went to Cigna Health and taught their bakers how to bake my cookies so that they can bake them fresh every day and serve them Uh, to over 2,000 employees that they uh, take care of at that office. You know, it's just, it's such a feeling of success. And I love how when you open yourself and you pay attention to the things in your life, it's like, you know, it it couldn't have worked out any better. And I'm very proud of that business.
0: Wow. So my listeners always know, you know what's coming. If you've been listening, I'm looking for Epic and part of for me, how Epic shows up as if it brings me to tears and what you just shared with me moved me because that's, Mm -hmm. that's how the universe can work. That's how magic can work if you're open to it. So good for you. That's a huge success.
1: And he's one of our, he's one of our best friends now, the baker and his wife. I mean, it's so ironic. I can look out my back door and see his house less than a mile away. And we've just become some of the best friends. And, you know our goal is to work together and for me to grow that business by help you know him helping me, and it, it was meant to be. There's no wow. other way around it. It's meant to be.: <laughs> That
0: That's is epic. Cool. That is epic. So what drives you?
1: boy, i'm I'm really self-driven, and I've always been this way, but I think what we talked about earlier was the feedback from my customers and them sharing with me. They're an interesting, I love my customers. They Mm -hmm. want to take my cookies to other people and share them and grab people at the market and bring them over and say, you've got to try these. They are my human marketing plan. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, but there's really a following. And so they'll take them to work. They'll go, can I have a flyer? I want to put these on the board at my work. and it's just so cool how that happens, and that really just feeds my feeds my soul and feeds my drive when I get tired, and I think, oh, all these wonderful people out here and how much they appreciate what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I had another vendor at the market. She was selling little energy bites, and great young girl, and she said, she buys my cookies, and she said, every time I open the bag and eat one of your cookies, I can feel the love that you put into them. Wow. And that just, ugh it just warmed my heart.
0: Yeah, big time. Wow. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: I would recommend Success Principles by Jack Canfield. We had an opportunity. He spoke at our church, and part of his speech was that he was holding this training in Scottsdale, Arizona. It was very expensive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: my husband and I got in the car and drove home, and we had one of these moments like, we need to go to that training. Did a U-turn in the car, went back, signed up, leap of faith there. That was a big financial leap. Uh-huh. And spent, I think it was seven days of listening to Jack Canfield, who you know was one of the co-authors of Chicken Soup for the Souls. Yep. Um, he was at the Scottsdale Princess for seven days, for about 10 hours a day. Almost a one-man show, Wow! life-changing, life-changing. And this Success Principles book, I think, has 64 different success principles that you can go to at any time of your life to help you find your passion, get rid of roadblocks, stay on the course, calm yourself, meditation, tapping, just a bunch of different things that you can do to be successful. And I love that book.
0: Wow. You know, one of the things that I've been noticing in our 35 minutes of conversation here is how much you listen to uh, the universe, listen to, you know, your direction, listen to where you're supposed to be going for yourself, listen to your heart. You can call it any of those things or many other things, but I just, I really want to acknowledge you for that. You've done what looks like a beautiful job of Following your joy. Let's call it that. So, yay. Thank you. It's
1: like you said, with your eating and becoming healthier, it's been a process. It's been a process of failures and successes, and realizing when I come back to what's right and true for me, that's what that's the best advice that I can give someone. And it's difficult to follow, it's difficult to have that. Faith and that oh just that knowing that what you're about to do or what you are doing is the right thing and that it's all going to work out but but really for me that's that's what I have found that is most successful
0: yeah so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: you know, I think for me it's really simple, but sometimes simple is the best and most difficult to accomplish I think it's following your heart, your inner voice, you know, the voice of God, whatever you want to call it, but it's knowing, taking the time to know what is really going to make you happy and what you really feel passionate about and what you really want to do in your life and staying true to that. Whenever I figure out that I come back to, this is what I was meant to do in the world, I have my mom's birth certificate. This is something you and I haven't talked about. My mom's birth certificate and when I was five years old, I took a crayon and wrote on the back of it, good food, and drew a whale, water coming out of them. But I'm telling you, it was just my calling and what I'm meant to do in this world. And I asked after my mom passed, I asked my brother, can I have that birth certificate? So he mailed it to me, and I framed it and put it in my office because it's a constant reminder of following my path and what makes me the happiest and what I was really meant to do.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Tanya. You're welcome. So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: Well, they can email me at info at hungerbombcookies.com. Or they can go on my website at hungerbombcookies.com and look at all the yummy things that I do or read about my philosophy and schedule a consult, all those things.
0: Beautiful. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash hungerbomb. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast.